So welcome uh, to church. I trust that you guys had an incredible time just worshiping God together. Um, can we give uh, Kylan and the team just a hand? I love how we, we don't need um, a lot to worship God authentically. Um, I love how God is not moved because there's 17 people on stage singing something. Um, God is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth um, and may find many such people. So tonight um, we are basically concluding just with a two-week focus on, on finances, on money. All right? Whenever the church speaks about money, then that's the most exciting part of the year, right? Come on, you guys love it. <laughs> um, so you'll see underneath your seats we have a lucky raffle. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so, but if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go and listen to the message last week. But the theme for these two weeks is basically the blessed life, all right? So whom of you want that? The blessed life. Those of you who don't want it, please move away from those who want it. Um, we don't want any negative aura, to, all right? Who wants a blessed life? Guys, this is where you do raise your hand in church, okay? Um, we're not going to ask you to stand or give something, but this is where you say, yes, I want to live a blessed life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Everyone say life and death. Good. Not, don't say good, just say that. Blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Now, I'm trying to understand this scene where God says, okay, I'm sitting before you, life and death, blessings and curses. Who in their right mind would choose curse? Like, you know, give me some of that, please. Like, I want, a, I want a cup of curse for me and my children. No, right? When you're in that position, you're like, yeah, I'd love to have life. I'd love to have blessing. So the good news is that this is the will of God for your life. That God desires for you to have life, not death, to have blessing, not curse, to have a full life, a satisfying life, a fulfilled life, an abundant life, a, now go back one, well there at the bottom left, what does it say, a blessed life, all right, everyone say that, blessed life, so God desires for us to have a blessed life, now a huge part of this is finances. A huge part when we think about having a blessed life is immediately our mind is drawn towards, yeah, but you don't know my bank balance. <laughs> I remember speaking to a friend of mine who was playing um, professional golf, and those of you who've maybe played professional golf or who have friends who play professional golf, it looks very glamorous, but you've got to perform quite regularly to actually make enough money. So I was speaking to him, and I was like, hey, how's it going? It's like, I really need to make the cut this week, otherwise I don't have money to come home. <laughs> Uh, so that's a blessed life for you, right? Now, financial fear, the fear of the future, the fear of not having enough, the fear that you um, do not have enough to attain or purchase the things that you want, the fear that you might lose what you have, has a huge effect in or on our lives. And for, for some people, money is one of the greatest defining factors in their lives. So, it's the way that you achieve success. So if you have a lot of money, that means that you are a successful person. If you have a lot of money, it means that you are someone. If your, your friends and your peers and your social groups know that you have a lot of money, it means that you have a certain identity or a certain place in society. You've got to drive a certain car because that means that you've made it. Or you've got to live in a certain neighborhood. That means that you've made it. 
So, um, and then often the way to access all of the, the desires and the good things of life, the comforts, the pleasures, the bucket list things, is money. So money is the avenue to a blessed life, right? None of you are falling for that one. All right. No one's like, yay! <laughs> so statistics show that financial fear is one of the greatest contributors to broken relationships. It's one of the leading causes why marriages don't last, why people go into divorce. It's um, a great contributor to depression and hopelessness, a breakdown in mental health, and then also just social anxiety, performance anxiety. Um, that financial fear, the, the impact of the fear of not having enough, impacts most areas of your life, if not all. So one of the things that we need to address when we speak about a blessed life is overcoming financial fear. So last week, Dani, who leads our Linwood Church, spoke about that. So if you missed the podcast, please do go to the online platform, highfeld.online, and listen to that podcast. But we just spoke about the concept that God is the source. And when you understand that God is the source of everything, it changes your whole perspective on money, but also your role in relationship to God and to money. So do go and listen to that podcast. Um, it's on the online platform. Now, the good news is Jesus. Who of you believe the words of Jesus? Okay? When Jesus says something, we normally take it as the truth. Amen? Good. So Jesus says, Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, do not worry about your life. That's good news. So Jesus says, not me, not your dad who loves you a lot. Sometimes your parents will say things to you because they love you. And it's like, no, it'll be okay. No, it won't always be okay. <laughs> Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Jesus says, you do not have to worry about your life. Now, I think when Jesus says something, we can take it to heart. Now, Jesus expands on this idea in the rest of chapter 6, and I really want to encourage you, if the, the topic of financial fear is something that you struggle with, if it's something that you often find yourself being concerned about, now, you don't need to be poor to worry about finances. Very important. You can be the richest person in the world and live with financial fear. So if this idea of being gripped by having enough, always needing to know what's happening in your finances, always needing to know um, where your next paycheck is coming from, always needing to know that you still have enough to uphold your lifestyle, if any of those things are in your heart, um, please do go and sit with Matthew 6. Don't just read it, sit with it. It might take you a year or three or five, but allow that scripture to build into your life. So Jesus expands from verse 25 to 34, and he says, we don't need to worry about our lives, what we will eat, what we will drink, where we will live. Um, and he addresses a couple of things. I'm not going to go into the text, but he says, he addresses your worth. He says, are you not of more worth? Are you not of more value than the birds of the air and the fields of the field? If I care for them, how much more will I care for you? He addresses his own character, his own nature, and he says that he's a loving father in heaven. And he pulls us into this place to have confidence in who he is and who we think, how we think about our lives. So there's this place where God calls us to bank on His character and His nature. Um, that Scripture teaches us that when we act as if God will not provide, when we worry about the basics, right? What will I eat? What will I wear? Where will I live? Like the basics of life. Then we are acting as if God does not exist or as if God is not a loving Father. That He is not a Father who will care for you. And Jesus then calls us into this place of trusting our Father 
with our lives. So he says, do not worry about your life because your Father in heaven cares for you. So Matthew 6.33, and this is almost like the build-up then to in, in chapter 6. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we live a life that is free from financial fear? I hope it's on the board. <laughs> how do we live a life that is free from financial fear? Seek first the kingdom. To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then Jesus says, all these things that we often are worried about will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Seek the Father. Seek the, the reconciliation, that right standing with the Father through Jesus. To seek first the kingdom. Now, this part of seeking first the kingdom and not having financial fear unlocks a part of tonight's message that we get to live in financial freedom, okay? How does that sound? To live in financial freedom. So when you think about financial freedom, um, what words come to mind? What pictures come to mind, all right? What type of life are you dreaming about when you hear the word financial freedom? I think for some people, it's the, the idea that you get to work remotely from anywhere and you're sitting on the beach, just chilling it out, and that's your idea of financial freedom, all right? We'll get to that now, now. But what do you think about when you hear the words financial freedom? So what does Jesus say? Again, because that's important, right? So Jesus says, Matthew 6 from verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Without changing the slides, Quibbers, what does Matthew 6 verse 25 say? We read it. Therefore, do not worry about your life. So when you see the word therefore, you ask the simple question, what is it? Therefore. <laughs> because it precedes something. It proceeds. What's the word? It comes after something. So this that we read now builds up to not being able or not worrying about your life. Where Jesus says, when you store up for yourselves treasures on earth, then you will have a life that is full of worry. But when you store up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven, you can have a life that is free from worry. And we're going to unpack a little bit of this tonight. The, the scripture goes on and it says that the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, the eyes speak about what you see, what you perceive, what you behold. And if what you behold is good, then your whole life will be good and healthy. But if what you behold is not good, if it is worldly, if it's full of worldly things, then your whole life will be not good, will be full of darkness. There's a scripture that's not on the board. And I'll quickly read for us in Mark 8, 4, verse 18. 
And it speaks about the parable of the sower. And Jesus says that the seed that, that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So when we speak about this aspect of financial worry and then this desire for financial freedom, there can be a space where our lives are so consumed by earthly things and the desire for the things of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth that our faith is fruitless, that the word that you receive is fruitless, that the effort you put into reading your Bible often is fruitless because so much of what we behold is earthly. And Jesus comes and he says that when we build for ourselves up treasures in heaven, not on earth, there's an area where we can move into a space of actually having financial freedom. He says that if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So connect that to the other scripture where Jesus speaks about the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth. And so often we can get caught in this trap where the external appearance um, is the thing that people look at and say, yeah, that person is making it. That person has, has achieved success in life because of what they wear, because of where they live, because of what they drive, because of what type of job they do. Some of you were maybe forced into studying something because of the attraction of the salary. And we think that if we achieve all of these earthly things, then we are successful, then we will have a blessed life. But the thing that follows worldly passions and worldly desires is a worrying life. Not blessing, but curses. And that's so often what we see in the world is that this chase, this pursuit of money, this pursuit of wealth, this pursuit of more just leaves behind more brokenness. That so often you look at families where the husband might be in the eyes of the world extremely successful and he has multiple businesses, but his family is nowhere. His marriage might not have made it and his children are nowhere. And then when we think about life in the spectrum of eternity, friends, what is truly worth something? Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures, not here where rust and moths can destroy it or thieves can come in and steal it, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where it will be safeguarded forever. Because one day you and I will make a transition from this life into the next and you will not be able to take your credit card with you. Some people are saying, praise the Lord, yes. Like, yes, no more credit card debt. <laughs> Jesus calls us to perceive with different eyes. And he's calling us to have an eternal mindset on the way we look at life and the way that we invest our lives. Financial freedom is not the ability to do what you want or to go where you want. <laughs> that's not what Jesus means when he speaks about financial freedom. And often that's what we have in our minds. Like, man, if I can just win a million rand, um, I might finish off my credit card debt. <laughs> if you have that much credit card debt, I don't know if we have prayer teams for that. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, we might have to send you to rehab. <laughs> but sometimes we think about money and say, yes, what I can achieve with this money, what I can accomplish, what I can settle with this money. And we think that money is the way that we get to achieve our life's desires and dreams. And the problem is that we connect money to identity. We connect money to security. 
We connect money to joy. We connect money to worth and meaning. And until our, uh, as long as money is the defining factor for these very, very critical things in your life, you will follow money. Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Possible. You might be a, a person sitting in church, and you might be extremely devoted with your money and giving a lot of money away to the church, but it does not necessarily mean that your heart has been captured by Christ. If your identity still lies in your money, if you were to lose all of your money today and you find yourself to be standing empty, um, hopeless, depressed because you have no identity and no purpose, then you are serving the wrong master. And worry and fear and anxiety will be the fruit of your life. But Jesus is calling us into a space where we will trust Him as a loving Father and we will surrender our lives to Him and say, God, how can I seek first your kingdom? How can my life benefit the kingdom? How can my resources benefit the kingdom? The fruit of financial fear is that we'll often be in a space of covetousness where you want something. And you see someone having stuff um, and you think about the blessed life and you think about this person who just always gets everything they want and they have everything that you want and they go to all the places that you want. Some of those Instagram photos are fake, by the way. All right, just FYI. Um, but sometimes your, mark will be, your life will be marked with covetousness, a desire after things, or sometimes possessiveness. You see, both, types, both groups of people can fall into the same trap of financial fear. The one wants everything, and the other says, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. I'm holding on to this. It's my precious. All of you are thinking about what I'm thinking. <laughs> You could have all the resources, and that is often the mark of a very rich person who's fallen into the trap of the love of money, the love for money. Remember, Jesus isn't saying that money is the root of all evil. He's saying that the love of money is the root of all evil. You can be the richest person in the world, and it's often the sign, but you're also the most stingy. You're also the most possessive about the things that you have. You'll have the fanciest car, and you might even have six but no one can ever drive your car because what if it gets scratched? So I want to give us a different definition tonight. There are two perimeters that you and I find our lives in. The one is that you need to know Jesus. All right? Apart from Jesus, you have no life. Apart from Jesus, there is no eternal life. So the very first thing that you need to make the highest priority in your life is to know Jesus. Apart from Him, there is no life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Without Him, you cannot see the Father. So that's the one perimeter, to know Christ. Then the second one up here is to make Him known. You see, friends, when you've encountered the love of God, when you've experienced the love of God transforming your life, and you realize that nothing, you contributed nothing to this relationship with God in the sense of being saved, nothing you brought, Jesus didn't look at your salary and say, yeah, you can add a lot to my kingdom. I'll save you. Mm, maybe get a job first. <laughs> he didn't look at your education. He didn't look at your background. He didn't look at your skin color. 
All of us are in the exact same boat when it comes to salvation. And when you understand that it's by grace alone that you've been saved, when you're actually worthy of the exact opposite, there's a deep thankfulness and a worship that proceeds from your life. And then when you've tasted something as good as Christ, the natural outflow from your life would be to proclaim the goodness of God so that others may also experience what you've freely received. So we find our lives in these, these two perimeters, to know God and to make Him known, to be a disciple and to make disciples, to be loved by God and to share the love of God to others. And I want to tell you tonight that if living in between these two spaces is not enough for you, if you think about your life that you'll never achieve anything else, you'll never get another career promotion, you'll never get married, you'll never have children, Nothing else will change in your life from what it is now. Nothing else will be added to your life from what it is now. But you are loved by God and you have the privilege of making the love of God known to others. And if that's not enough for you, nothing ever will be. Nothing ever will be enough for you. And you will spend your life trying to attain things to try and fill this void of living a life that is worth something but you'll come to the end of your life and you would have lived a wasted life. And it might have been too late for you to understand that the very things that your soul craves has been freely available in Christ. You see, but when we find ourselves in a space where we are content with this huge privilege of being loved by God and being able to make His love known to the world, and we seek first the kingdom, we seek first the kingdom. God, my life is yours. You can do what you want. If you require me to go into this direction because it will benefit your kingdom, I'm in. Lord, if you require me to say yes to this and no to this because it will benefit your kingdom, I'm in. But so often we say, God, I'm in for your kingdom, but first. And there's the story in the Bible where many people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first. Whom of you, if God made you a multi-billionaire? Right? I know some of you are, but whom of you? If God made you a multi-billionaire, like you're sitting here now thinking in your mind, like, yes, I'd be super generous. <laughs> huh? I mean, how much money do you need? Let's say you earned 500,000 rand a month off the tax. How much do you really need, right? And you're like, yes, God, I, I'll be happy with 50. Um, so I can give the rest for your kingdom. Whom of you, if God gave you a wife, those of you who are trusting for a wife or a husband, would say, God, I'd love for my marriage to really glorify you. I'd love for my marriage to be a signpost to, to people, to show them what the gospel is really about. Okay? Whom of you, if God blessed you with a, a big house, say, God, I would love my house to be a place that welcomes people, that my house can be open to people who don't know you, that my house can be a place of belonging for those who are broken and poor. Anyone? Whom of you, if God gave you a, an upgraded vehicle, you're like, God, imagine how we can go on missions with this thing. <laughs> We've got Venus company's truck, so that's fine. The combi. <laughs> Something that I was challenged with this recently is um, it's easy to, to make commitments to God with hype. What's the word that I wrote down? When you use words that are above your own vocabulary, you have to write them down. <laughs> it's not even a difficult word. 
It's easy to say yes to Jesus with hypotheticals. <laughs> it's easy to say yes to Jesus with, with hypotheticals. God, if you were to give me a salary increase, I'll start giving my tithes. God, if you give me a wife, I'll live, have a relationship, Lord, that will really honor you. God, if you give us a new car, we'll, we'll join the lift club. God, if you give us a new house, we'll invite our neighbors. Imagine just having a house with this veranda that opens up, Lord, and a boma. Imagine how we can invite our neighborhood to come and worship along the fire. It's easy to make these promises to God and His kingdom with hypotheticals. But friends, when we understand that God is the source and everything in your life has been entrusted to you, you are only a steward. You own nothing. You might quickly be, be standing up and saying, no, 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 but I studied seven years for this degree. I've earned my position in society. My friends, we've earned nothing. It's all grace. The fact that you have a mind that works is grace. The fact that you have a body that is healthy is grace. Whom of you have not sinned? Raise your hand. Never. The curse of sin is death. And we are the willing participants. What we deserve is death. What we deserve is brokenness. If we do not have that, it's grace. We are only stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And in this passage, Jesus does speak very clearly about money. But he's actually speaking about all of our life. Money is just the most prevalent thing. It's the currency of this world. It's the way that you buy bread. But it affects every area of our lives. You want to have a marriage that one day honors God? Start treating the people around you right. Stop holding grudges in your heart. Stop walking around with bitterness and unforgiveness. Stop gossiping. If you want to have a relationship to the intimate level of a marriage that honors Jesus, be faithful with the people He's placed in your life already. Not just the people you like, the people you don't like. If you want to be generous towards the kingdom of God, be faithful with what God has already given you. Because if you can't be faithful with little, I promise you the temptation of money will grab your heart and it'll take you far. You see, the deception is that when the love of money is the driving force in your life, you'll never have enough. How much do you need to save before you can give? Just a little more. How much do I need to earn before I can be generous? Just a little more. How many investment funds do you need to have before you can feel secure about your future? Just a little more. It's always just a little more. But God is calling us into a life of true financial freedom. And financial freedom in the kingdom is not for you to do what you want to do. Financial freedom enables you to fully obey Jesus. It's when we discover the treasure of Christ and we get to that place and say, God, in comparison to knowing you, everything else is worthless. That if I have to sell everything I have just so that I can know Jesus, it's worth it. Because knowing Christ is life and life in abundance. Living for Christ is life and life in abundance. Knowing Jesus and following his plans and purposes for your life, that's the blessed life. And then God gives us this promise in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 
The band can come up again. Only if you guys want to. It's like... <laughs> Carlin said he can't make it, Peter, so you have to sing. <laughs> So 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, we'll read it again. God is able. Who's able? What does that mean? It means it's not dependent on you. God is able. So when it says God is able, is he concerned about what's happening in your salary slip? Is he concerned about your debt? Yes, he is. Friends, you cannot be a good steward with God's resources when you live beyond your means. It's not your money. It's not your money. You see, often we fall into a religious trap where we say, I've got my salary and God gets his 10%. And then we think, great, I've ticked the box. It's not yours. At least once a year, you, sit, you, should, you should sit. Sure, you should say that slowly. At least once a year, you should sit with God and say, okay, God, you set up my budget. You set up my budget. We become wise in our own understanding, but then we become fools in the kingdom. The Bible says that we build on the foundation who is Jesus, and some people build with gold and silver and precious stones, and some build with wood, hay, and straw. And the day of the Lord will reveal with which materials you've built. Some will be purified and you'll receive a reward and some will be burned up. And sometimes we, we think that we are wise in our own understanding. But we need to sit with God and say, God, I am just a steward. And like I said, this is not just applicable to our finances, our relationships. God, where are you calling me to go? Where are you calling me to reconcile with someone? Where are you calling me to forgive? Who are you calling me to pull into my life? If one day you want to have a house full of people that you're inviting because your house is all cozy and there's a boma, start inviting them into your one-bedroom flat. Start building the habit and the principles of a kingdom culture to seek first the kingdom. Be faithful with what God has given you. Be faithful with what God has already entrusted you. And may God increase it. You see, friends, but when we find ourselves being content with being loved by God and making the love of God known to others, contentment is the fruit. And what God has entrusted to you doesn't need to be compared to what He has entrusted to someone else. And often we fall into this trap where we compare what we have to what someone else has, and then we're like, I'm more faithful than them. Why does God give them more? It doesn't concern you. How God chooses to bless people does not concern you. How God chooses to grace people does not concern you. Each and every single one of us need to take an account of how we are stewarding what God has entrusted to us. That concerns you. Everyone else will also need to stand accountable before God. What God has given to you, that concerns you. So Paul goes and he says, And God is able to make all grace Friends, what is grace? It's God's ability beyond your inability. It's God's, God's sufficiency beyond your inefficiency. 
God is able to make all grace abound to you, to overflow towards you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, what is left out? Where is there not provided for in that scripture? You'll have all sufficiency in all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work. The Bible teaches that you will lack no good thing. But it's when our hearts are drawn towards things of the things of the world that seem good in the eyes of man, but they have an agenda to destroy your life. It's when our eyes are drawn towards the things of this world where we feel there's a lack. But God promises and He says, you will lack no good thing. If you seek first my kingdom, I will add everything to your life that you need that pertains to life and godliness. And you will have all sufficiency in all things at all times to abound in every good work. There's a stewardship on your life, friends. There's a good work on your life. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter what's currently happening in your finances. There's a stewardship that God has entrusted to you. And maybe you've not been a good steward. And repent. Turn to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him for the grace out. But there's a stewardship on your life. And the greatest beneficiary of this stewardship is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. I want us to close our eyes. God is speaking to you tonight and you've not been a good steward, while the eyes are closed, I want you to raise your hand. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you've not been a good steward with what He's given you, and I'm not just speaking about finances, your relationships, your work. The Bible says that you work as if unto the Lord, not unto a boss. So Jesus doesn't ask you whether you like your boss or your manager. Have you been a good steward with what God has already entrusted to you? And if you're raising your hand, just take a moment and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've not been faithful with what you've given me. And tonight I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Give me the grace, Lord, to obey you. Give me the faith to trust you. And then I want to pray for a group of people. None of this is possible, friends. It's impossible for you to live without financial fear and within financial freedom if you do not know the Father. If you're here tonight and you have not made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, you've not made a decision to give over all of your life to follow Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity and you can just raise your hand.
So if there's no one, I want us to stand. started with that scripture in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 and God said this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses now choose life so that you and your children may live loving the Lord your God obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham Isaac and Jacob to give to them Friends, the essence of life is to know Christ. The essence of life is to know Christ. To know Jesus is to know life. And we would do well. We would do well for the rest of our lives to study Christ, to know Christ, to study the will of God. It's in knowing the will of God and choosing life that we are set up for a life of abundance. It's not available in anything the world has to offer. So we're going to de- respond just with the song again, highest praises. And we're just going to declare that to Jesus and to Jesus alone belongs the highest praises. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy.